This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back. Today, we have a Q&A. We have a lot of questions today, actually. I am stoked about all of these. So let's go ahead and get right into it. First question came from my membership training program, actually. Shout out Jen for these great questions. So her first question was, what are your thoughts on drinks like C4 and Bang? So I'm not sure quite the direction that she wanted me to go. So I'll just answer the most common questions I get about drinks like these. First, the artificial sweeteners route, which is generally what people are worried about when they're asking me about things like this. And let's also throw Diet Coke or like Diet Soda in general in there because that's another one that I get asked about a ton. A lot of times on the initial call, when you start online coaching with me and working, we're working through your strategy, one of the most common things I hear people say is, hey, but I drink a Diet Soda a week and I know I need to cut that out. And my answer is always, if it helps you adhere to your plan, like you probably don't. It's really not a big deal in my opinion. So taking it back to artificial sweeteners quick. So um, Bang has sucralose in it, C4, the artificial sweeteners vary. Some of them don't have any artificial sweeteners at all, but in general, your most common artificial sweeteners are going to be sucralose and aspartame. Now, aspartame in particular has gotten a very bad rap because in 2005, they did a study on aspartame where they fed rats a shit ton of aspartame and these rats showed a higher or there's a higher correlation with the increased aspartame and leukemias lymphomas now the thing here is if we look at the dose of aspartame that these rats were fed to get that as a human to get the equivalent you would have to drink over 2000 cans of diet coke a day to get that amount of aspartame a ridiculous amount an unreal dose you would literally drown in diet coke before you got that much aspartame from it so we also have to look at things like this and the reality is there are no well-done studies that show any harm to artificial sweeteners it has been shown to potentially alter your gut bacteria but it's not known if that alteration is harmful or not so a bit of artificial sweeteners are up in the air Yes, but the reality is no one has ever died from artificial sweeteners and we don't have any studies that have shown they're actually harmful. And again, unless you're planning on like trying to drown yourself in Diet Coke. So from here, my point here is very often people miss the forest for the trees, so to speak, with artificial sweeteners. So if switching to diet soda allows you to save hundreds of calories every day and over the course of a year lose 30 to 50 pounds your health will have drastically improved you're gonna live longer you're literally gonna die much later than you would be more obese so especially for obese individuals it just doesn't make a lot of sense to like i see so many times clients that have struggled in the past because before they start coaching because they've been so focused on minutia like this, like things like this or nutrient timing and all these little factors that cause you to actually lose sight of what is actually gonna help you create a lean, strong body. So 
That is very true with artificial sweeteners as well. If you're not consistently eating 80 to 90% whole foods, you're not moving a lot throughout your day if you're sedentary, if you're not resistance training three to four times per week, if you're not managing your life stress, if you're not sleeping seven plus hours per night, then you don't need to be worried about things like artificial sweeteners because they just don't make as much difference. Okay, kind of a rant there, but that's something I had to get off my chest because that is something I get asked a lot. But in short, like all things, moderation is probably the best approach when it comes to artificial sweeteners, but personally, I don't think you need to be terrified of them. There's not any evidence that shows us otherwise. Now, from a caffeine standpoint of things like Bang and C4, Bang is about 300 milligrams, so Bang does have quite a bit of caffeine. Here, typically the recommended dose is about 200 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. I know a lot of us sit a little bit higher than that, but the biggest thing here is if you're just way overdoing the caffeine and you're constantly in, and caffeine does create a sympathetic response, so get, basically it'll get you in a fight or flight state, and in that state, your body won't be producing hormones, won't be rep repairing muscle tissue, Basically, we're just, we'll just be in a very stressed out state if you're just constantly guzzling tons of caffeine, which again, I don't think is the context of this question. So, but the point is like keeping it within that 200 to around 400 milligram range is probably smart. And then just making sure that we're not drinking it too close to bedtime. I like to tell people, cut it off at least at the very least six hours. I prefer eight to 10 hours as more of a rule of thumb. This is because I found with many clients and with myself, six hours just isn't enough time to actually be able to get to sleep. But I know the half-life of caffeine is six hours, which is why that's generally recommended. So I would say there, nothing wrong with them. Personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. As long as you're doing it in moderation and it's not disrupting your sleep or causing you excessive stress. All right, so our next question is, best glute finisher? All right, I love this one. So uh, there are a couple different glute finishers that I really like to program for you as an online client. Um, I would say the glute burnout ladder is probably my favorite one. So this is one I picked up from Brett Contreras, actually. But basically, this, is, this one's brutal. But basically, you're doing 15 knee band and glute bridges so you're just lying on the floor band around your knees constant outward tension on this band throughout this entire circuit which is a long time it adds up to a couple minutes by the time you're done with it first you're just doing 15 glute bridges from there you're going into 15 supine hip hip abduction so then you're just laying on the floor pushing your knees out against the band as far as you can back in out and in 15 reps there we're going right from our glute bridges to those supine abductions then we're going right back into the glute bridges for 14 reps. Finish those, 14 supine inductions. We're working our way all the way down to one. So 15, 15, 14, 14, 13, 13, all the way down to one. And then finishing off one more set of 15 each to just end things. This one is brutal. Truly, the goal here is to make it through without any rest, but really give this a try. And the first time you try it, you probably will need a break about halfway through. Normally around like 12 to 11 is when people break down the first time, but you'll build up to this pretty quickly. That one's brutal. Give that one a try. And then I really like hip thrust countdowns also, which is one I picked up from, from Ben Bruno. I picked up, well, I picked up the countdown method from Ben Bruno. So what we're doing here, I like to do these with a barbell hip thrust. You're going to do six reps 
on the sixth rep, and you want to go a little bit lighter than you normally would for like your sixth rep max, because of what I'm about to explain here, but on that sixth rep, you're going to hold at the top for six seconds and just squeeze your glutes as hard as you can. Then you're going to do go immediately into five reps, hold at the top, squeeze for five seconds, repeat for four, three, two, one. Now, typically, I program this as just one to two sets because the reality is this is brutal. It's already quite a bit of volume. You could push it to three to four if you really wanted, but I would definitely start with just one to two sets. And I would say those are my two favorite glute finishers. Next question, the scale isn't moving. What are some other ways I can track my progress? So tracking tons of metrics is something that I'm super passionate about, which is a weird thing to be passionate about, but it really makes such a big difference. One of the biggest mistakes people make with their fat loss is they don't actually measure the progresses they're making. Again, like with new online clients, this is one of the biggest mistakes people make in the past. They are trying to diet, but they're not measuring how it's changing their body. So how do you know if what you're doing is actually working or not? And even like if you're just looking at the scale, especially if you're only looking at once a week where there's so many fluctuations, it's just so hard to tell if what you're doing is actually working, which is why tracking tons of different metrics is important. So I have my clients take their body weight at least three times a week. The reality is again, especially for women, your weight's gonna fluctuate a ton over the course of the week. So if we just have one data point, it is so hard to tell whether that's a true picture of your progress or not. I tell most of my clients, don't even ignore the, or don't even focus on the fluctuations day to day at all. We literally just wanna look at the weekly average. And in your metric tracker, it literally breaks down their weekly average for you. And I'll have clients so often like, We'll see throughout the week because clients, when you work with me, you send me your weekly check-in every Monday. You tell me this week's weight and last week's weight. But, well, recently I've changed it to the average weight because of, again, what I'm about to talk about. But often clients will, like, okay, all through the week, we can see their weight dip, dip, dip through Friday. And then maybe they go out on Saturday night. They eat some different food. They still work it in their calories, but they just eat something that's saltier. And they're holding on more. Maybe they have some wine that worked in their calories. But... For whatever reason, you'd be holding on to more water on Monday, so weight will spike back up. If you were only weighing once per week, that would bum you out big time. But now we have all this data, I can say, and I often do, yo, no, look back at over the course of a week, look at how much your weekly average changed as opposed to last week. So average weight, weighing in at least three times a week is important. Body measurements are also very important. I have my clients measure chest, right arm, both relaxed and flexed, two inches above, at and two inches below the navel, hips and right thigh. So this, I believe the body measurements give us a, I know the body measurements give us a much better picture of your actual fat loss progress than your body weight does. So I'll often have clients whose weight will literally change a couple pounds, if that. Like my client Andrea is a great example of this. Shout out Andrea if you're listening to the show. But she crushed it. She got absolutely ripped on her cut. She didn't lose very much weight at all, but her inches, especially around her navel, changed drastically. And this is the case for so many people I work with because you're not just strictly losing body weight. You're not just losing fat. You're also building lean muscle. So across several months, when we get your nutrition, your training, your lifestyle dialed in, you can build a lot of muscle and lose a lot of fat. 
simultaneously. The more experience we get, the longer you've had all these factors dialed in, the harder that is body recomposition, but it is definitely doable. So often this equates to the scale staying very stagnant despite your body changing a ton, which is why it's very important that we can see, oh, your weight stayed the same, maybe you even added weight, but your navel, your belly measurements are getting much smaller. You're crushing it. Biofeedback is another good measure here, especially for clients that are most focused on overall health. So here we're looking at things like energy level, sleep, motivation, mood, cravings, hunger. Now, some of these factors depend, like obviously if you're in a steep fat loss phase, things like hunger and even some cravings are normal. But when we really can look at your energy levels, your sleep, how motivated you are, what your mood is like, is that improving or getting worse? We can really monitor your overall health and make sure that we're feeding you all the nutrients we need, make sure that your training is appropriate to get you to become the healthiest version of yourself. And then we also look at your training numbers. This is just important to make sure that we're actually fueling your body, giving it everything it needs to get stronger. Because again, if we're not looking at these numbers, how do we know if what we're doing with your nutrition is actually helping you make progress or not? So that's typically how I measure for clients. Again, weight, weekly average, body measurements, biofeedback, and training numbers. All right, next question. Is heart rate monitoring important? And I'm guessing she's talking about for training. So there's a couple different routes we can go here. So first, your heart rate or your ability to control your heart rate, when we're talking about endurance training or like when we get into more advanced conditioning type work, your heart rate is important and more specifically like your ability to decrease your heart rate between rounds. Our overall heart rate basically shows us like how intensely are you training and in simplest terms, how good of shape are you in aerobically and anaerobically so by targeting these different zones and it's not like there used to be the idea of like okay right now we're in the fat burn zone which that's bullshit don't worry about that but when we're talking about like okay I want to be trying to target my anaerobic threshold so I want to try to be at 90% of my max heart rate there like again when we're getting more advanced conditioning strategies that's where this is more applicable and then between rounds how quickly can i reduce my heart rate to a reasonable level so i can again perform at a high capacity in my next round but again this is very specific to conditioning now heart rate variability is also something that has been used a lot over the last few years as a way to measure your recovery lots of devices out there like the whoop band or the aura ring which measure your HRV, again, heart rate variability, to give you a recovery score. So basically, your HRV is just the time interval between heartbeats. And depending on the gap here, we can loosely tell how well someone has recovered. The problem here, personally, is I think especially for weight training, this just isn't very realistic for most people so like i know for me like i had morpheus for a while and i quit wearing it because the reality is i'm a busy dude i only have four days a week where i can realistically train if i would wake up and i would see like my recovery score is bad i would literally go into my session 
with a worse mindset. I would get less out of it. And like the reality is I was doing, I do everything I possibly can for recovery, managing stress. My nutrition is dialed in. Sometimes there's nothing more you can do. And I really think this can almost have a negative effect on your training performance. I was just recently reading a write-up Minnow Hanselman's did on a study that looked at HRV for recovery between training sessions. So one group had, they took 48 hours between training sessions regardless. The other group used HRV to determine when they should train next, depending on their recovery score. And the group that did use, did not use HRV, the group with the fixed 48 hours no matter what between training sessions, actually got slightly better results. But really the conclusion was it just doesn't make that much difference. So this is something that I think in the future will continue to, to develop. I know Joel Jamison is doing a ton of good work with this, but I just don't think it's there yet. So unless you are like an athlete that's looking to optimize everything within your conditioning, I really don't think you need to worry about it. For most people that just are looking to get leaner, stronger, more confident, it's really not going to make a big difference. All right, final question of the day, again, coming from the membership training program. Do you have any tips or advice for training when the gym is crazy busy? For example, when a squat rack, a squat rack isn't available. Yes, I do. So I can because as somebody that follows my programming, we know that the foundation of all your training programs every single training day I write is going to be built around some variation of squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, the foundational movement pattern, so to speak. So the beauty of this is as long as you are training one of those variations, and I would say that squat and lunge are very interchangeable. But as long as you're training one of those variations, then you can still get a very similar training effect. So for example, if you can't hit a barbell back squat because squat racks are full and you have very limited amount of time, then you could sub in a Bulgarian split squat. We're still hitting that knee dominant squat type pattern. We're still going to be able to apply an effective training stimulus to your lower body. Now, we also need to make sure that you match RIR. So every time I program for you, any client that I program for, we program in reps in reserve or your proximity to failure. This is important, but the reality is if we're matching movement patterns and you're still getting those effective reps, so we're still taking the movement relatively close to failure, but not to failure typically isn't a smart idea on our compound movements like we're talking here, we can still get a very similar training effect. Now, the only time this would be detrimental is if you, let's say now, for example, that you had a goal of getting crazy strong on your back squat specifically. Obviously, a Bulgarian split squat would help with that because it's kind. Of, that would be kind of an auxiliary movement we could potentially use to help strengthen your squat. But to squat, we need to be specific and actually also spend time squatting. So there, we just want to look at, we can, there is a lot of interchangeability between your movement patterns if you're somebody that is just looking to get leaner, stronger, confident. But if you're looking at specific movements, and that's also where we could add in a bit more variation, but if there are specific movements that you just really want to focus on getting strong at, it's probably a smart idea to as much as possible, leave those in your training program. But again, depends on what you specifically want to get out of this. But 
at the simplest level, just look to replicate the movement patterns as much as possible. So for example, like if you had a landmine Romanian deadlift, you're perfectly fine to sub in a dumbbell Romanian deadlift, a barbell Romanian deadlift, maybe even a hip thrust. So just look at movement patterns and achieving similar, achieving the same RAR, and you'll be able to achieve a very similar training effect. All right, so that is all the questions that we have for today. Now, before I let you go, if you've been taking value from the show, do me two quick favors. Well, one for me and one for yourself. First, if you've been enjoying this, take a screenshot of your phone right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag me. I want to connect with you, and I want to help spread the reach of the show together. Second, if you haven't done so already, do yourself a huge favor and download the Lifestyle Diet. The link to this is in the show notes. This is 100% free, and it is the exact nutrition strategy I use to help my clients live a flexible lifestyle to actually enjoy your weekends and get great balance results. So that is all I have for today. Thank you for tuning in.